Hey everyone, it's James Lindsay, and you're listening to New Discourses Bullets, where I break down a single topic out of woke Marxism so you can understand it so that we can fight this thing and defeat it. And the topic today that I want to break down for you is this idea of queer education, kind of in a, in a broader sense, but I have to start with a lie. I'm actually mostly going to break down a lie, and just for full disclosure, this is actually going to be mostly me reading from an essay that I wrote and published on New Discourses a few weeks ago called uh, Queer Education is Child Abuse. But the question that we have to begin with is, the lie that we're going to break apart, I guess, is, is it true that queer education or queer theory is something to do with LGB people? And I didn't say T, and I definitely didn't say Q, because the Q in LGBTQ is queer, so queer theory has something to do with the queer part of LGBTQ. That said, does it have anything to do with gays, lesbians, or bisexuals? Is it really about these homosexual kids and trying to figure out what to do to make sure that they don't kill themselves or have a rough childhood or whatever else, which is the excuse that they give for using queer education? And the answer to that question is no, actually, it does not. Queer theory has nothing to do whatsoever with LGBT uh, anything. Uh, the T, I should say, is informed by the, the queer theory. But the LGB part has nothing to do with queer theory at all. In fact, they're oppositional to one another. And this lie needs to be broken because what's happening is the queer Marxists are hiding behind the LGB people, gays, lesbians, and bisexuals. They are hiding behind them as human shields, holding them out. And so any backlash that comes, of course, is going to come against good, normal gays and lesbians and bisexual people, whereas the queer Marxists get to use them as the excuse to do the things that cause the backlash in the first place. Typical Marxist stuff. So let me read to you from this essay, which actually quotes from a number of sources. I said, and, and the, the, for even fuller disclosure, the, the essay that I published was actually a slight expansion of a statement that was read before a committee in the Georgia legislature that I wrote that uh, a friend of mine read there for, for the Georgia legislature on this topic. What I said is queer theory, which nearly all of the gender and sexuality education in America is ultimately based upon. So let's be real clear. What they're passing off is comprehensive sexuality education, all of the gender-bred person and all this crap, all of the gender ideology, comprehensive sex-based sexuality education, and so on, is based in queer theory. What I said is that queer theory, which nearly all of this is based on, has nothing to do with LGBT education. This is evident to anyone who reads it, not only because its goals are diametrically opposed to LGBT acceptance and normalization in our society, but because they say so themselves very specifically over and over again in their literature. So let me expand on that concept first. When I say its goals are diametrically opposed to LGBT acceptance and normalization, the problem is acceptance and normalization. Queer theory depends upon the idea that, that people identified as queer are in resistance to normalization and acceptance. They are not to be accepted or normalized. They are to be radical. They are to be in resistance to anything considered normal. How extreme is this? You've probably heard of the concept, the annoying concept, heteronormativity, where they say that everything is normatively arranged around heterosexual relations in society. Well, they have a similar concept that does not mean what you think it does, homonormativity. It does not mean that society is organized around the normalization of homosexuality. It means that society is accepting or considering that homosexuality is a part of 
of the range of normalcy. It is considered a problem. Homonormativity is not a goal in queer theory. It is a problem, a problematic more specifically. So the goals of queer theory, as we'll hear in their own words, are diametrically opposed to LGBT acceptance and normalization in our society. But further, they actually tell you that it's not the same thing. If you bother to read any of their literature, the queer theory literature, you will find that there is a distinct difference expelled out again and again and again between gays and lesbians as people and queer theory, which is opposed to what people are. In fact, it has nothing to do with people are. It's about how they are becoming political activists. Here, I'll give you an example. Quoting Emily Drabinsky, who is the openly politically queer and Marxist current president of the American Library Association. She's got a number of doozies of statements and interviews and articles. But in 2013, she wrote a paper, Queering the Catalog. And to quote from it, she says, queer theory is distinct from lesbian and gay studies. She could hardly be more blunt. She then adds, where lesbian and gay studies takes gender and sexual identities as its object of study, queer theory is interested in how those identities come discursively and socially into being and the kind of work they do in the world. End quote. So her conclusion is that, quote, lesbian and gay studies is concerned with what homosexuality is. Queer theory is concerned with what homosexuality does. End quote. So here, the openly queer, openly Marxist president of the American Library Association in a paper about bringing queer theory into libraries, including school libraries, explains that queer theory and LGBT studies are not the same thing. They are fundamentally different subjects. So what does Drabinsky mean about, quote, the kind of work they do in the world when referring to queer identities? What do they do in the world? What she means is activism, nothing more and nothing less. Because queer is not an identity like gay, lesbian, or bisexual. It's not something about who you are. It is by definition an explicitly and intentionally activist identity, which means it's not an identity at all. It's a political stance. So like, let's say that one more time. Queer identities don't exist. Queer is a political stance. It is not a fact of who someone is. In fact, that means it's not an identity at all. It's a political position. This is by definition in queer theory, as David Halperin de defined queer in the first place in his 1995 book titled Saint Foucault Toward a Gay Hagiography, a few pages away from a rousing discussion of the transformative potential of anal fisting as an ideal sex act, David Halperin defined the difference between gay and queer and defined queer as follows, quote, Unlike gay identity, see, it's nothing like gay identity. Unlike gay identity, which though thoroughly proclaimed in an act of affirmation, is nonetheless rooted in the positive fact of homosexual object choice, queer identity need not be grounded in any positive truth or in any stable reality. As the very word implies, queer does not name some natural kind or refer to some determinate object. It acquires its meaning from its oppositional relation to the norm. Queer is, by definition, whatever is at odds with the normal, the legitimate, the dominant. There is nothing in particular to which it necessarily refers. It is an identity without an essence. Actually, Mr. Halperin, if I may, it's not an identity. It is a political stance. You said so yourself. 
It acquires its meaning from its oppositional relation, that's political stance, to the norm. Queer is, by definition, whatever is at odds with the normal, the legitimate, the dominant. It is not a matter of essence. It is not a matter of who you are or even what you are. It is a matter of your politics. So David Halpern takes great pains to distinguish homosexual being from homosexual doing as a political act and insists that the latter, political homosexual doing, is all of and exactly what Michel Foucault meant by the term, quote, the homosexual, which he often employed. Why do I bring up Foucault? His book was called Saint Foucault. He's lionizing, in fact, trying to canonize Michel Foucault. He's analyzing what Foucault was talking about with the term the homosexual. And what he's saying is that it is a purely political, purely defiant, purely oppositional political identity. As he explains, quote, queerness can now be constituted not substantively, but oppositionally, not by what it is, but by where it is and how it operates. Those who knowingly occupy such a marginal location, who assume a de-essentialized identity that is purely positional in character, are properly speaking not gay, but queer. And it's obvious that Emily Drabinsky drew directly upon this view to form her own because that's what she said, is that it's about uh, what homosexuality does in the world rather than is. And what is it? It is a knowing occupation of a marginal location that is purely positional in character. That's what it is. It is a political position, not an identity. So don't let them lie to you and tell you that queer is an identity. Queer is not an identity. Queer is a politics. Queer is not who you are. There are no grounds upon which you could set aside rights based on queer any more than you could set aside rights based on any other particular political thing. All you can say is that people are free to express their politics regardless of who they are. So what is it that queer does since it's a matter of what, quote-unquote, the homosexual, as Michel Foucault put it, or as what Halpern just said, has nothing to do with gay but queer. What do queer activists do? What is it that queer theory does? It disrupts. That's what it does. It is disruptive by definition. The definition of queer in queer theory, as we just saw, is that which resists and challenges all norms and expectations of normalcy, all legitimacy, all dominate, all anything that's considered dominant. I don't want to call it domination. So bringing into education materials based in queer theory, including so-called gender critical perspectives that separate sex and gender in the first place, as though they are something different, is meant to make children activists in a disruptive, destabilizing mode of understanding the world, or misunderstanding the world, really. My opinion, which I think is pretty firmly grounded, is that this has absolutely no place in our educational institutions, which parents entrust to educate, not politically activate our children in a particular line of disruptive, dismantling, marginal ways of acting and considering yourself as being, which you're not being, you're doing, you're acting. 
So it has no place in our educational institutions, especially when it's happening outside of parental knowledge and approval. Now, you think I'm exaggerating about what's really going on in queer education. Here is what the educational paper, Drag Pedagogy, that's from written by a drag queen and a trans educator who published this in a leading curriculum journal called Curriculum Inquiry. Here's what they argued for about drag queen story hours. This is what their paper says about the matter of queer education. They said, ultimately, the authors proposed that Drag Pedagogy it means using drag queens as a teaching tool, provides a performative approach to queer pedagogy that is not simply about LGBT lives, but living queerly. See, it's not about LGBT lives. They even have an entire section in the paper where they say it's not actually about generating empathy for LGBT kids. They say that's not what it's about. It's about a performative approach to living queerly. You learn to perform queer so that you can live queer, but living queerly means doing politics as a way of living. The authors elaborate upon this notion of living queerly by stating, quote, it may be that Drag Queen Story Hour is, quote unquote, family friendly in the sense that it is accessible and inviting to families with children, but it is less a sanitizing force than it is a preparatory introduction to alternate modes of kinship. Let me just pause on those words because I've had a number of opportunities in my professional life so far where people have said that I was a bad person for saying, okay, groomer or calling out this thing as a grooming facility or groomer schools or whatever else. And I struggle to find a better word than queer education is a preparatory introduction to alternate modes of kinship. What does that mean where kinship is defined in terms of living queerly? If I can't use the word groomer for that, what word should I use? I have yet to find anybody who can answer that question. I haven't found a single person. In fact, what I get is either sworn at, cussed at, yelled at, or somebody to laugh and say, oh, well, yes, that's true, but don't you think it's dangerous to point it out? And of course, no, I think it's dangerous not to point it out. So what is living queerly? Well, Drag Queen Story Hour, at least, is family-friendly in that it is a preparatory introduction to alternate modes of kinship. They elaborate and say, here, Drag Queen Story Hour is, quote, family-friendly in the sense of, quote-unquote, family as an old-school queer code to identify and connect with the other queers on the street, end quote. So when you say that they use coded language, you sound like a conspiracy theorist, but here they're telling you that they are branding their entire program the way they are, and it's explained in the paper, that they say that it's family-friendly so they can sell it. So they say that it's about empathy for LGBT kids so they can sell it to, to, to schools and to, to cities. And then they say, wink, wink, that's not what it means. We're using queer code to mean something different by the word family. So that's definitely what they're doing. So like I said a moment ago, and just continuing with my essay, in my professional work, I have struggled to find a word more adequate than the officially disallowed word of grooming to describe, quote, a, a preparatory introduction to alternate modes of kinship based around living queerly. These unacceptable projects hidden behind a street slang pun are core objectives of queer theory and education, a.k.a. queer pedagogy. And they describe it unambiguously in their own words, quote, as an art form, they tell us, drag is all about bending and breaking the rules, and so its aims are totally different from a normative classroom, end quote. Why? Because, as they insist, quote, in a broader context, fostering collective unruliness also helps children to understand that they can have a hand in changing their environment, end quote. Fostering collective unruliness 
bending and breaking the rules with an adult who's pretending to be the opposite sex and doing provocative behavior in front of children to induce them into alternate modes of kinship and living queerly. We're not allowed to call that grooming, guys. This, they also tell us, allows both drag performers and children to, quote, recognize the arbitrariness of rules to engage in queer play and to, quote, feel their fantasies. They also indicate that queer worldmaking is a project based in desire. Well, whose desires are we talking about here? Well, they induce the desires in the children and then say, well, if the kids want it, sex is okay with children because the kids wanted it. That's literally a standard line in the uh, minor attracted person, as they call it, the pedophile, like pro-pedophile literature that's also based in queer theory. Huh. Queer educators damn themselves with their own words. So I'll quote them one more time to illustrate just one more core and often repeated goal of queer theory in education. This is explained by Hannah Dyer, a Canadian researcher, in a paper called Queer Futurity and Childhood Innocence. What she explains is that the innocence of children and the the established understanding of child developmental psychology all needs to be queered. In other words, turned into something that supports queer theory. She writes, quote, Here I help to illustrate how some of the effective libidinal, that means like libido, epistemological and political insistences on childhood innocence can injure the child's development. Childhood innocence injures the child's development, is what she's saying, and offer a new mode of analytical inquiry that insists upon embracing the child's queer curiosity and patterns of growth, end quote. So what's that about? Well, they tell you this paper's title talks about childhood innocence, but uh, it also contains a section specifically headed with the words queering the child's innocence, which is perfectly in line with what we just heard from drag pedagogy and what those people want, which is perfectly in line with Emily Drabinsky's goals of queering the catalog and using the library as a vehicle to do this. Queer theory in education is therefore so destructive that it aims to rewrite the innocence of children as an evil that prevents children from developing, quote, queer curiosity and patterns of growth that we might assume leads them into alternate modes of kinship and living queerly. Because it's about what homosexuality does, not about what people are. Because LGBT has nothing to do with the Q. So none of this is remotely appropriate, by the way. And the inherently activist position that it takes and seeks to instill into our children, literally through damaging them, is in many respects the least of its problems. It is at the very least deranged. It is openly hostile to, oppositional to, legitimacy, norms, expectations, rules, what they consider to be anything dominant. And that's how it defines itself. So it is at the least deranged, but it is more properly understand as, understood as cultic and evil. It is far past time to give these damaging materials and the people pushing them into our schools the benefit of the doubt. We cannot keep thinking that they are trying to help poor little gay Johnny that doesn't have a good life. That's not what it's about. That is an excuse. They're telling you that's an excuse over and over and over again. It is about something else. And it is long past time to say no more, not any of this. It all has to go. The reason is because queer education is child abuse, that queer theory has nothing to do with gay identities whatsoever, that queer is not an identity at all but a political stance, and it is a political stance 
openly and explicitly defined as whatever is at odds with the normal, the legitimate, and the dominant. In other words, it is a purely disruptive and damaging political position, masquerading as an ideology, hiding behind vulnerable kids and vulnerable people, and whether they're vulnerable or not, LGBT people, so that it can advance a very radical, damaging agenda even while being resistant to the idea of those people being considered normal and accepted by society, which is the nominal claim it makes for why it's doing its thing in the first place. It is wholly twisted, wholly evil, wholly cultic, and wholly has to go.